Namaskaram. Today I'm going to be talking about uh, verses 8, 9, and 10 of Upadesh Saram. Last time I spoke about verses um, 3 to 8. The reason I'm going to talk about 8, which I talked about last time, um, is that uh, this verse 8 is an important link between two series of verses. That is, the verses I talked about last time, verses 3 to um, to 8, what uh, the main um, gist of it is in verse 3, Bhagavan, in verse 2, Bhagavan had said that uh, uh, karma uh, obstructs liberation. In verse 2, sorry, that was verse 2. In verse 3, however, he said, if if uh, action is done without desire and um, offered to God, that means done for the love of God rather than for the love of anything we can gain from the action, that will purify the mind and um, that uh, will, well, in the Tamil, he says it will show the way to liberation. In the uh, Sanskrit version, he says it will. it, it is mukti sadhakam, it's a means to liberation, but he doesn't mean it's a direct means, it's an indirect means, because uh, only when the mind is purified will it have the clarity to understand what the actual path to liberation is. So the aim of all karmas, all nishkarmiya karmas, that is, is purification of mind. The impurities in the mind are the vishaya vasanas, the inclination to go outwards, to, towards vishayas, towards anything other than ourself. So, but, but by a devotion to, by, by what, what Bhagavan means by nishkarmiya karma, dump of the love of God, are the practices of puja, japa, and dhyana. Puja is action, uh, is worship of God by uh, by bodily action. Uh, uh, Japa is worship of God by speech, and Dhyana is worship of God by mind. Um, so these these devotional practices. This is what Bhagavan calls uh, nishkarmiya karma, done for the love of God or uh, offered to God. So Bhagavan is not treating karma yoga as a path separate from bhakti. Uh, that is the preliminary stages of bhakti, where we are still expressing our love for God through actions of mind, speech, and body. That is nishkarmiya karma. Um, so to take nish- try and do nishkarmiya karma outside the context of bhakti is not practical, because whatever we do, we do for some reason. There has to be some motive to do anything. Normally, we are motivated by our, our desires, by our, our vishaya vasanas. Um, but if, if instead of being motivated by any desire, we are motivated by just by love of God. Whatever we do, we do for the love of God. That is nishkarmiya karma. So the appropriate actions to do for the love of God are puja, japa, and dhyana. And puja, of course, um, as he uh, said in the uh, fifth verse, where he talks about puja, puja is worship of any of the eight forms of God. The eight forms of God include the five elements, so it includes all, all, all material things that are made out of the material elements and all 
mental things which are made out of the subtle forms of the elements, the tanmatra. So all the all the uh, everything composed of the five elements, in other words, the whole of prakriti, right? And the sun, moon, and jiva. So whatever we do, considering this world to be a form of God, and considering the the jivas in this world to be forms of God whatever uh, worshipful actions we do for the love of God, not for gaining anything, that is good puja. So nishkarmiya karma can include doing service, to, I mean, for, for example, helping poor people or um, taking care of the environment or, or all these things. If you do it in a spirit of worship of God, then it is good worship of God. That is what Bhagavan says there. So that is the usual understanding of, of Nishkarmiya Karma, but it's doing social service, doing service. But that is that's only one aspect of it. Uh, it and it if it's if you do any service divorced from devotion to God, then it is not nishkarmiya karma. So, uh, in verses uh, verses three to seven, but first Bhagavan talks says nishkarmiya karma will purify the mind. Then he says he says there are three kinds of nishkarmiya karma we can do: actions of body, speech, and mind, namely puja, japa, and dhyana. And then he deals with each of those in verses five, six, and seven. So from verses three to seven, he is talking about karma, doing, action. Why eight is important is eight is the link between sadhana as doing and sadhana as just being. The real sadhana, the sadhana that will lead to liberation, directly to liberation, is just being. Because our, what is liberation? Liberation is knowing our real nature. What is our, the nature of our real nature? It is just being. That is, it's our own being we are seeking to know, and we can know our being only by being our being, as Bhagavan clarifies later in verse uh, 26. Knowing ourself is being ourselves. So the verse eight is a very very important verse because it is it is it, it shows how we switch over from doing to being. Um, so having put it in context, I will now go through the meaning of verse eight again. Um, what Bhagavan says in in the Sanskrit version is, "Veda bhavanat sohamitya so." Bhavana Bita Pavani Mata. That means Beda Bhavana is a separating meditation. In other words, meditation where we consider God to be something separate from ourselves. In Tamil, he says uh, Anya Bhava. Anya means other. So when we take God to be other than ourselves, there's a separation between ourselves and God. I am different, God is different. That is the Beda Bhavana. So rather than meditation, when we meditate on God as something different from ourselves, uh, uh, non separating meditation, that's Bhavana Abhita. Uh, <coughs> uh, uh, and he, he clarifies what he means by that Bhavana Abhita. That is as he is I, that is so hamitya so, um, uh, or that is he is I, that is the, the, the non separative meditation in which he is I is the meaning. Uh, Bhavani Mata is considered purifying. 
In the Tamil version, he he the terms he uses are Anya Bhava and Ananya Bhava. Anya Bhava means meditation, meditating on what is other. That's meditating, considering God to be something other or different from ourselves. And Ananya Bhava is is meditating on what is not uh, um, other or different to ourself. What is not other than ourself is only ourself. So uh, um, Ananya Bhava, what it implies is meditating on ourself alone with the understanding that he is I. And in the Sanskrit, he says, Parvani Matai, it's considered purifying. In Tamil, he says, Anaitinam uh, Uttamam, it is the best among all. What does he mean by the best among all? That is in the context, these verses are talking about means of purifying the mind. And Bhagavan is, is uh, having talked about uh, saying that, that Nishkarmiya karma done for the love of God will purify the mind in verse 3. In verse 4, he says that they, we can do Nishkarmiya karma by mind, speech, and body, that is puja, japra, and dhyana, and each is better than the pre preceding one. That is, more effective at purifying the mind than puja is japa. More effective than japa is dhyana, because, uh, 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 because puja is an action done by the body, which is relatively gross. Japa is an action done by speech, which is more subtle. And dhyana is action done by uh, mind, which is still more subtle. So that uh, the puja is more, uh, it, it, sorry, the, the, the dhyana is more effective than japa, and japa is more effective than puja. So he, he's classifying it. So when he says in verse 8, that this is the best among all, anaitinamutamam, what he, what he means is this is most effective means to purify the mind. Um, it is also the best for, it, that's one meaning. Another meaning we can say the best form of meditation, oh, sorry, the best form of devotion, because it's about uh, devotion to God, rather than meditating on God as something other than ourselves, meditating on him as I alone, that is the best. Um, uh, that best way of expressing our love for God, because God is most intimately present in our heart as I. Soham, he is I. Um, and um, it also can be, we can also take it to mean this is the best among all types of spiritual practice. But he goes on then in the next um, in the next series of verses, from verses 11 to 15, he's talking about the path of yoga. So the, what he says about this Ananya Baba being the best among all, it applies to yoga also. It's, this is better than yoga. So this is, the, this is the highest of all sadhanas. And as I say, what he means by Ananya Baba in Tamil or Bhavana Apita in Sanskrit is attending to nothing other than ourself, not attending to anything that is different or, or separate from ourself. So one important thing to understand here is Bhagavan is not talking about Soham Bhavana. Generally, when people see this verse, they see the word Soham and they see the word Bhavana and they say, oh, Bhagavan is, uh, is here talking about Soham Bhavana. Soham Bhavana is the meditation in which you meditate on the thought, he is I. 
that is not what Bhagavan means here. Why? Because the thought he is I is not ourself. It's something other than ourself. It's, an, an, it, it's anya. It's, it's something separate from ourself. So meditating on the thought he is I is not uh, is not medit is not uh, uh, ananya bhava. It's not bhavana apita. Um, the reason the words he is I are here is why do we meditate on I alone? Because we understand that he is I. When we understand that God is I, if we truly understand the, the, the implication of the saying uh, soham or tatvamasi uh, or ambramasmi, if we understand the meaning of these mahavakyas, the implication of these mahavakyas, they mean we, we need not meditate on God as anything other than ourselves. If God is I, then what should we meditate on? We should meditate on I alone. Meditating on I alone, meditating on nothing other than I, is, um, is ananya bhava or bhavana apita. So this is a very important, but a very subtle, but very important point to understand here. In fact, soham bhavana is, or soham bhavana, as it is generally understood, in other words, meditating on the thought he is I, is, is a result of a failure to understand the practical implication of the Mahavakyas. Yes, it is true he is I, but merely thinking he is I doesn't enable us to experience ourselves as I, in order, as he, uh, to, to experience him as I. In order to experience him as I, we need to attend only to I and thereby sink deep into our heart and merge back in him, because he is that, that ultimate reality that is ever shining in our heart as I. Um, because this is such an important point to understand, but this is not Soham Bhavana, I'm just going to go through a few verses of Uludunapdu, because these enable us to understand what is Bhagavan's attitude towards Soham Bhavana. Um, there are four verses in Uludunapdu where Bhagavan touches upon um, uh, the, 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 this Mahavakya, Tatvamasi, uh, or uh, you, uh, you are that, um, which is um, the implication of which is he is I. Um, in verse 27, Bhagavan says, Nanudiyada ullanile, namaduvai ullanile. That means the state in which we don't we exist without rising as I. In other words, the state of just being without rising as I is the state in which we exist as that. So in order, that is what is the practical implication of the Mahabhakya Tattvamasi? If, 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 um, if we are that, then how to be that? We have to just be as we actually are. Being as we actually are means not rising as ego. When we rise as ego, we seem to be, I am this person, I am Michael, or I am whoever. Uh, that, that, is the, that is a false awareness of ourselves. I am is not Michael or not any person or not anybody. I am is I am alone, nothing other than I am. That's why Bhagavan often said, nan nan, aham aham, I am I. Um, uh, so, 
about the state in which we do not rise as ego, the state in which we, of just being, in which we do not rise as ego, is the state in which we are that. So that is the practical implication of the uh, uh, Mahavakya uh, Tattvamasi, or any of the Mahavakyas, because they all imply the same thing. But uh, we are Brahman, but I am Aham Brahmasmi. How to experience ourselves as Brahman? Just to be as I am. By being as I am, without rising as I am this person, or I am this body, is, uh, is, is a state in which we are existing as that, or being as that. And then he goes on to say, Nan udikum tanam adei nadamal, without investigating the place where I rises, how to reach the annihilation of oneself in which I does not rise. I does not rise means ego does not rise. That is the, the, I, uh, the, the pure I never rises. It just remains as it is. It is just a being I. But ego is the rising I. Uh, because ego appears and disappears, so it rises and it subsides. So when he talks about rising as I, he's talking about um, the rising, uh, rising as ego. So what this means is, without investigating the place where I rises, how to reach the annihilation of oneself in which I does not rise. This is a very, very important sentence, because though this is a rhetorical question, the implication is very clear. When Bhagavan asks the question, how to, how to reach the annihilation of oneself without investigating the place where I rises, the clear implication is, we cannot reach the annihilation of ourselves. We cannot bring about manonasa without investigating the place where I rises. So what is the place where I rises? What does Bhagavan mean by the place where I rises? Well, obviously, it's not a place in, in time or space. Uh, it's not a, a physical space, a place, or even a mental place, because uh, um, but as he says in verse 26 of Ulunapti, the previous verse, when ego comes into existence, everything comes into existence. When ego doesn't exist, everything doesn't exist. Ego itself is everything. Therefore, investigating what it is, that is what investigating what ego is, is giving up everything. So since everything comes into existence, only when ego comes into existence, ego cannot rise from anything anything that comes into existence that is so all when he says everything there he means all phenomena all uh, everything that appears and disappears appears only when ego appears why because it appears only in the view of ego so the place where i rises is not cannot be found outside ourselves. It can only be found within ourselves. we ourselves are the place where i rises in sleep we remain in sleep, what are we aware of in sleep? In sleep, we are aware of nothing other than our own being. We're aware I am. We're not even aware I am sleeping. We are just aware of our own existence, our mere existence. So that fundamental awareness I am, but exists in sleep and in waking and dream, because it's the basis of everything. That is the ground. So that is the place from which I rises. So that fundamental awareness I am, which even now is shining, and which was shining equally well in sleep, 
that is the place where I rise is. So he's using word place here in a metaphorical sense. Um, as he does again in, uh, we'll see later on today in verse 10, he talks about the, the place, um, the heart. In Sanskrit, he says, Hritstalay, in the heart place. Um, in uh, Tamil, he says, Udita um, Iditil, in the place of rising, the place from which we have risen. So that place from which we have risen is only I am. So he's using place here in a metaphorical sense. So what he says here, without investigating the place where I rise, which means without investigating this fundamental awareness I am, how can we attain the annihilation of ourself the state in which I never rises. That, that is, the I that rises, namely ego, is the false awareness, I am this body. So it's a false awareness of ourself. It's an awareness of ourself as something other than what we actually are. So how to bring about the destruction, the annihilation of this false awareness, uh, I am this body, only by being aware of ourselves as we actually are. And how to be aware of ourselves as we actually are? Obviously, we need to investigate ourselves. We need to attend to ourselves to see what we actually are. So this sentence is a very, very important sentence. Bhagavan is, the implication of this sentence is without investigating that fundamental awareness I am from which we have risen as ego, we cannot bring about the annihilation of ego. That is the clear implication. And then he goes on to say, um, um, uh, sarama, without reaching, that means without attaining the annihilation of ourself and mananasa, tan aduam tan nileil nipadu eban. Without reaching that, how to stand in the state of oneself or in one's own state, that means in our natural state, in our real state, in which uh, oneself is that. In which oneself is that? So, in order, the implication of the Mahavakya, Tatvamasi or Soham, is that we, since he is I, in order to be as him, we need to be as we actually are, be what I actually is. He is not the rising I, ego, he's the being I. So we have to be as the being I. Of course, there are not two eyes. Uh, when that being I is mixed with adjuncts, it seems to be the rising I. Uh, so the I is always only one, but it, it just like the but rope is always a rope. Even when it's seen as a snake, it's still only a rope. Likewise, even when we rise as ego, we are still only that being I. It's not that there are two eyes, but that being I mixed with adjuncts seems to become this rising I called ego. And um, we, we, so in order to be as the being I, which is he or Brahman or that, we need to we need to uh, abide in our own state. And to abide in our own state, we need to bring about, the, we need to cease rising as I, not just temporarily, permanently. Every night when we fall asleep, we cease rising as I, but only briefly. That is manolaya, uh, whereas our aim is manonasa. Um, one friend had asked a question about that. I will deal with that uh, question about the difference between manolaya and manonasa later. 
So this is the first verse in Nuludunapti, which Bhagavan touches upon the correct implication of the Mahavakya Tattvamasi, or other similar sayings like Soham or Shivoham, uh, I, I am he is I or Shiva is I. Uh, they all have the same implication. Um, but the practical implication is that we need to investigate I to find out who am I. Um, in, um, in verse 29, he also touches upon this uh, very slightly. He, uh, he defines what is vichara, but he refers to vichara here as jnana neri, the path of jnana. What he says in the first sentence is, um, uh, nan indru vayal nabiladu, uh, not saying I by mouth. Ul uh, al manatal by the inward sinking mind, nan endru engu undum endru nadale jnana neriam, investigating with an uh, or by, with or by an inward sinking mind, where one rises as I alone is the path of knowledge. Alone is jnana marga. Jnana marga means that the path of atma vichara. Uh, so. In order to know what we actually are, we need to investigate ourselves with an inward sinking mind. Why does he say ullal manata, by an inward sinking mind? Mind here is used in the sense of attention. When our attention turns back within to face ourselves alone, to attend to I am alone, it thereby uh, subsides. That is, the mind rises and goes outwards by attending to things other than itself. By attending to itself, it will subside and merge back in its source. So um, but by, by being keenly self-attentive, the mind will sink within. That is the implication here. And that alone is the path of knowledge. This alone is jnana yoga, jnana maga. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, Andri, uh, uh, Andru idu, nam am adu, Andru unnal, tuneyam, adu vicharam ama. What that means is, instead, that is, instead of investigating inwardly, with, with, instead of investigating where I rises, in, in that word, instead of investigating that fundamental awareness I, I am, with the mind thereby sinking within, Instead of doing so, thinking um, not this, I am that, is an aid. What he means by not this, I am that, is uh, I am not this body, I am that Brahman. Um, so, uh, merely thinking I am not this, I am that, that is merely a thought. So, it may be an, an aid. He says, uh, thinking thus is an aid. Tune means an aid. A tune can also mean a guide. So what guidance should we get from this thought, I am he or I am Brahman? It should prompt us to turn back to investigate ourselves to see who am I. So merely thinking that it is an aid, that we need to have that conviction, but we are not this body, but what we actually are is only Brahman. Uh, um, but uh, merely thinking 
I am not this body, I am Brahman. It's not going to make us Brahman. We, 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 can, we can experience, we are always Brahman, so we cannot become Brahman, but we can experience ourselves as Brahman only by attending to ourselves alone, only by, by, by uh, investigating the place where I rise in. In other words, investigating the fundamental awareness I am with the mind thereby sinking within. This is the only way to experience ourselves as that as he said in verse 27. So um, merely thinking, I am not this body, I am that, is an aid, but is it vichara? He, oh, the final thing is, uh, I do vichara mama, is it vichara? No, it is not vichara. It's the implication. I mean, whenever a rhetorical question is asked, it's just an emphatic way of saying, if you say, if, when Bhagavan asks, is it vichara? The implication is, no, it cannot be vichara. So this verse 29, then in verse 32, this is also, this is a very, very important verse. Because here, the, the, this verse, Bhagavan, that is what is unique about Bhagavan's teachings is Bhagavan, Bhagavan has clarified the, the whole of Vedanta by his teachings. But the main point he has clarified is what is the practical implication? The, the Upanishads have been telling us for thousands of years, but you are that. Or maybe Mahavakya, they have been there for, for thousands of years. But what is the practical implication of such Mahavakyas? That is, everyone knows the Mahavakyas are so important. It's not just that they're not just ideas that we, we had to meditate upon. What is the practical implication? If I am that, then what shall I do about it? Obviously, I should investigate who am I or what am I? That is what Bhagavan is uh, implying in this verse. What he says is, Aduni Endru Amari Kagal Artidavum. When or as soon as the Vedas proclaim, that is you, Aduni, Tattvamasi, Tane Edu Endru Tantendu Iradu. Instead of oneself being, knowing oneself as what? In other words, instead of investigating what am I and thereby being as we actually are, um, um, Adunan idu andru endru ennal uranin meinal. That means uh, thinking um, I am that, not this, is due to um, we can say absence of strength, but actually uran in mei in mei means non-existence, so the complete absence of strength. If we if, if we have a if we have the requisite strength when we when we hear the words tatvamasi, uh, uh, our immediate response should be to turn our attention back to ourselves, not merely to think, I am that, not this. Not this means not this body. Uh, what is the strength that Bhagavan means? Firstly, it is the strength of, of clarity, clarity of understanding. That is, when, when the Vedas say, uh, you are that, if we continue just meditating on the Mahavakyas and, and there are learned scholars who will give lectures for hours on end 
about the meaning of of, of, of Mahavakya, such as uh, Tattvamasi. They will first talk for hours about Tat, then they'll talk about Tvum, then they'll talk about Asi, they'll analyze these words threadbare. Then they will say, first you need to investigate what is Tat, then you need to investigate what is Tvum, then you need to investigate what is Asi. The whole, that is completely missing the point. The point of the Mahavakya is to say, that is you. In other words, there is no that other than you. So if you want to know Brahman, you have to know you. That is the, that is the implication. And how to know you? I have, you have to investigate, what am I? So that is the, Bhagavan is here highlighting. What is the practical implication? If instead of investigating, uh, what am I? And thereby knowing and being what we actually are. If we go on thinking, I am, I am that Brahman, I am not this body. This is due to a complete absence of strength, absence of strength of intellect, that is strength of understanding. That is, but this is, this Vedanta is the path of, it is the path of bhakti. It is also the path of jnana. But the true True bhakti and true jnana are inseparable, as Bhagavan has made so clear. So, but in order to, to love what is real, we first need to know what is real. We need to understand what is real. So, on the path of jnana, a correct understanding is all important. Of course, merely understanding is not sufficient. We understand Why we need to understand? Because only when we understand the the practical implication of Vedanta, will we, put, will we be able to put it into practice correctly? If we don't understand the practical implication, then we are missing the whole point. The whole, Vedanta is an extremely practical science. If we don't understand the practical implication of what he said, if we take it to be merely a theoretical philosophy, Merely, merely a set of ideas to philosophize about, we have missed the point. It is a philosophy, but an extremely practical philosophy. And the, what is the practice? When you are told you are that, the practice is to investigate who am I. Now, with the term our attention, previously we were looking for that outside. We were thinking God or Brahman is somewhere outside. We need to turn back within to see who am I. And by seeing who am I, we thereby, mind subsides, as he said in verse uh, 29, the mind will sink within and thereby we be as we actually are, which we will we'll come across this more in the next verse of Upadesha Saram that we're about to talk about. But I just want to, to discuss these verses thoroughly. So why is it uh, thinking I am this, not that? Why is it due to absence of strength? Bhagavan says, um, uh, um because that alone is always seated as oneself. That is that that Brahman is always sitting in our heart, shining as ourself, as I am I. Um, as he says in um um uh Hridya Guhara Madhye, Kabalam Brahma Matram, uh Hyam aham aham iti sakshat apmarupena bhati. So he's Brahman is always shining in our heart as our own self, as I am I. So 
I am I means not I am this or I am that. I am this or I am that. We're thinking about something other than I. But truth is, the true experience of Brahman is not I am Brahman, but I am I. Why? Because Brahman is nothing other than I. When we know ourselves as we actually are, there's nothing other for ourselves for us to know. So we cannot be anything other than I. So when he, when, when we are told that Brahman is ourself, instead of investigating ourselves, if we go on thinking, I am Brahman, it is, it is, a, it is a complete misunderstanding. So when he says it's Uran in Mayinal, it's due to a non-existence of strength. What he means by non-existence of strength is non-existence of clarity of understanding. We don't have the, the, the strength even to understand the practical implication of this. We don't have the strength of intellect to understand the practical implication. So we go on saying, I am that, I am that. So Bhagavan is so, so emphatic. He doesn't deny that thinking I am that is an aid. Why is it an aid? Because we need to, of course, we need to, we need to do manana. Thinking I am that is manana. We need to understand it's not merely repeating I am that like a, uh, like a mantra. It's, we need to think about it deeply. We need to do deep manana in order to be firmly convinced why we are not this body and why we are that. We need to, we need to do manana in order to understand it clearly. Having understood it clearly, we then need to put it into practice by investigating what am I. And then the... the Last verse, the fourth verse in uh, Uludhanapati, in which he talks about, uh, in which he touches upon this subject, is verse 36. Um, what he says in verse 36 is, Nam Udal Endru Enin. If we think that we are a body, uh, or that we are a body, Allam Nan Adu Endru Ennum Adu. Adu nam aduva nipaduku nal tuneyam. What that means is, if we think that we are a body, thinking no, we are that, will be a will just be a good aid for us to stand as that. That is, our aim is to be that. In order to in order to be that, we need to investigate ourselves. In order to investigate ourselves, we first need to understand what we actually are. We are not this body. We are, we are that. We are, we are that, that, that pure awareness, that pragnanam, pragnanam brahman. Brahman is that, is that pragnana, that fundamental awareness I am. We, so we need to understand that we are that fundamental awareness I am. So thinking that, that is doing manana is a good aid, but it, 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 and it is necessary. So long as we think we're a body, it is, ne it is necessary to remember that we are that. But he goes on to say, Endrum nam adu, endru enavudu ein. Why? Why thinking that we are that? Why, why should we always be thinking that we are that? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, we have to change, the, we have to change the, the, the order of words around here a little. That is the last clause, nam aduva nikkum adanal. Since we always stand as that, why to be always thinking we are that? 
And then he asked, Nan manidun enju enomo. Does one think I am a man? That is, we all know we are human. But in order to know we are human, do we get up in the morning and think, oh, I am a human being, I am a human being. And in order to, but I don't forget I'm a human being, do I have to go on thinking all day long? I am a human being. I'm not a donkey or a monkey. I'm a human being. I'm not a horse or a cow. I'm a human being. No, obviously not. We, we, why don't we have to think I am, I am a man or I'm a human being? Because we know so clearly we are a man. Do, we, do I need to think, I am Michael, I am not, um, I am not uh, uh, Narayan or Shiva or, or John or Mary or, or, or uh, anyone else, I am Michael. I, obviously, I don't. I know clearly I'm Michael. So if we, once we've clearly understood what we are, what do we need to do? We need to investigate ourselves. And by investigating ourselves, we remain as we actually are. We stand as that. So the reason I, I, I went through all these verses is to emphasize the fact that what Bhagavan is talking about in verse 8 is not merely thinking, I am that, or uh, soham. Though he uses the word soham and he uses the word bhavana, it is not meditating on the thought, he is I. What he means by bhavana apita is meditating on nothing other than I. Meditating on what is not different. What is not different from ourself is only ourself. But thought who he is I is something different from ourself. It comes and it goes. But before we learned Vedanta, we didn't know the truth, he is I. Now we know the truth. And and we, we, but much of the time we're forgetting it. We're going about our life as, as we are. So it's not merely a matter of thinking he is I. That's a mere thought, a mere idea. It's important to understand that he is I, but if we understand that he is I, how to experience him? We need to investigate I. That is the point. Um, so I've talked a lot about this, but it's very important to clarify what Bhagavan is talking about in this verse. What he is talking about in this verse is self-investigation. What he describes here in Tamil as Ananya Baba, meditating on what is not other, and here as Bhavana Apita, meditating, or that, that is non-separating meditation, meditation in which there are not two different things, um, uh, in which there's no separation between the meditator and the meditation, what is meditated upon, that is the state of self-attentiveness, that is Atmavichara. So that is what Bhagavan is talking about here. And and that is why he said this is the best among all, because Abhmavichara, not only is it the most effective means to purify the mind, it is also the most, it is also the only means to annihilate the root cause of the mind, namely ego. So the, the impurities in the mind are the Vishaya Vasanas. When we hold on to I, when we attend to I alone, we are thereby not allowing ourselves to be swayed by any Vishaya Vasanas, allowing our attention to move away from ourselves towards anything else, even to the thought he is I, is, a, is a, allowing ourselves to be swayed by a Vishaya Vasana. Holding on to I alone is being swayed by Sat Vasana. And so the, by 
by holding on to I, we are strengthening the satvasana, we are weakening the shayabhasana. So this is the most purifying, the most effective means to purify the mind. So it is an etinamutamam, it is the best among all. Then we come on to verse 9, and verse 9 draws out the, the, it points out the real, the, how, how what Bhagavan talks about in verse 8 is a switch from doing to being. That is, so long as we are meditating on God as something other than ourselves, our attention is moving away from ourselves towards something else. That is a mental activity. When our attention turns back towards ourself, the mind thereby subsides. So that is a cessation of mental activity. It is not, it is not a, a doing, but being. So that is what Bhagavan points out in this verse in, in verse nine. What he says is Baba Sunyasat, Baba Sastatihi. That means standing firmly in Sat Baba. Sat Baba is the state of being. Um, uh, Baba uh, Sunya, which is devoid of meditation. Meditation here means mental activity, meditation in the sense of mental activity. So meditating on ourselves, though it is called meditation, it's unlike any other meditation because meditating on anything other than ourselves is a mental activity. Meditating on ourself alone is a, a cessation of mental activity. So it's Baba Sunya, it is devoid of meditation, it's void, devoid of mental activity is what it means. So how to stand firmly in the state of being, He's, he, he explains in the next uh, clause, Baba na Balat, uh, because of uh, strength of meditation, or literally Balat means from, from the strength, or that means by or because of the strength of meditation. Uh, so we can, we can be in the state of Sat Baba only by the strength of meditation. What type of meditation will enable us to be in Sat Baba? We need to understand this in the context of the previous verse. The, the Bhavana that will enable us to be as we actually are is the Bhavana Apita, the non-separating meditation. In other words, the meditation on I am alone. So by meditating on ourselves. The mind subsides, we remain in the, in the state of, um, of being. So when he says by the strength of meditation, bhavana balat, he, what he means by strength is by the intensity and firmness and steadiness of our self-attentiveness. If we are steadily self-attentive, we are thereby giving no room for the rising of, for the rising of ego, thereby we are being in our natural state. And that, what is the main point of this verse? Bhakti Uttama. That is the, the ultimate bhakti, the best bhakti. The, the, the Uttama means the best, foremost, highest, greatest, or ultimate. So the, the culmination, the, the pinnacle of bhakti is just being as we are by the strength of self-attentiveness. In the Tamil version, he begins with the words, Baba Balatinal. By the strength of meditation, again, there, uh, the Baba he's referring to there is what he referred to in the previous verse in Tamil as Ananya Baba, meditation on what is not other. What is meditation on what is not other? It's meditation only, only on ourself, on I. So by the strength of that Ananya Baba, 
or that uh, that meditation on nothing other than I, Bhavanatita Sat Bhava Tirutale, being in Sat Bhava by the strength of uh, being in Sat Bhava, which transcends meditation. How can we be in Sat Bhava? Only by the by the strength of of, uh, of Ananya Bhava, self-attentiveness. So by the strength of self-attentiveness, being in Sat Bhava, which transcends all bhavana, all, men, all meditation in the sense of mental activity, uh, in, in Tamil he says, um, parabhakti tattvam, that is the, 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 the truth or the reality or the uh, the, the Principle of, of uh, 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 yeah, reality, I think is the best word, but reality of a true state of supreme devotion, parabhakti. Here in, in Sanskrit, he says bhakti uttama. They, they both imply the same. So the ultimate bhakti is just being as we actually are. And how can we be as we actually are? Only by the strength of self-attentiveness is the implication here. By merely by thinking I am he, we cannot uh, remain as we are. Because thinking I am he, our attention is going away from ourselves to the thought he is I. So that is, if so long as soham is merely a thought, meditating on that thought is meditating on something other than ourselves. It's a mental activity. So it cannot lead to the state of just being. In order to... Uh, to remain firmly established in the state of just being, we need to attend to ourself alone. We need to attend to I alone. Because only when we attend to I does the mind subside. And attending to I doesn't mean merely attending to the word I. It means attending to what that word I refers to, namely to ourself. So being self-attentive is the means to be as we actually are. So by the to the extent to which we are self-attentive, to that extent are we being in Satbhava, are we standing firmly established in our, in our natural state of just being. Um, so that, that's why I said verse 8 is such an important verse, because verse 8 is the, is, is the switchover. When we switch from the Anya Baba to the Ananya Baba, we are switching from mental activity to just being. Because it's only by the strength of the Ananya Baba, the self-attentiveness, that we can remain in Sat Baba, in our natural state of just being, being as we actually are. And um, the same is emphasized by Bhagavan in verse 10. What he says in verse 10 is, Hritstale mana swastata kriya bhakti yoga bo das does uh, 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 nischitam. What that means is, if we, if we split it, hritstale. Hritstale means in the heart place or in the heart ground we can take it because the stala means here the ground from which we've risen as I. So in the heart ground, uh, or in, in other words, in the ground from which we've risen, the source from which we've risen, which is the heart. The heart here obviously doesn't mean, as some people take it to mean, uh, a place two digits to right from the center of the chest. That is only in a very outward-looking sense that uh, um, that place in the body can be said to be the heart. Bhagavan explained why he said, uh, for those who, who were looking for a place in the body, who couldn't think beyond the body, 
who were asking, where is the heart in the body? Then Bhagavan said it's two digits to write from the center of the chest. For the very simple reason, but when we when we refer to ourselves, we that's where we point, because that is where we we now we feel we are spread throughout the body. We feel we are centered in that place in the uh, in the two digit two digits to write from the center of the chest is the somehow the central of our abode in this body. But that's obviously relative only to the body. Only so long as we're aware of ourselves as I am this body, does that have any meaning? So what Bhagavan means here by Hritstale is he's not talking about the place in the body. He's talking about the ultimate ground, the ultimate the adhyashtanam, the adhara, which is the true heart. That is the fundamental awareness I am from which we have risen. In Tamil, he says, udita idatil. Uh, in the place of rising. So um, being in the place from which we've risen. Uh, the place from which we've risen is only that fundamental awareness I am, as I explained earlier. So that's what he refers to here as Hritstale, the, the heart, which is the, uh, which is the ground, the source from which we've risen. Uh, so Hritstale, mana svastataha. Uh, that means the um, manam is mind. Uh, sva means uh, uh, what itself or oneself. Uh, star means standing. Ta means uh, um, uh, the state of standing. So the state of standing, uh, sva, as we actually are. So the mind being as it actually is. What the mind actually is, is only the heart. That is only when we look outwards. We, we call it mind. When we look inwards, what previously seemed to be the mind is found to be the heart. Um, just like if you, so long as you don't look at it carefully enough, the rope seems to be a snake. When you look at it carefully, you see the snake is nothing but a rope. Likewise, when the mind is turned within, Devaraja Mudli has recorded nicely in two places in Day by Day where Bhagavan said, the same mind when facing outwards, is called mind or ego. When facing inwards, it is nothing but Atmaswarupa. It's nothing but our own real nature. So the, the, the mind uh, standing in the heart, or, or the mind standing as itself, the mind being as it actually is, means the mind turning within and remaining just as as it actually is, as that fundamental awareness I am. Where can you remain as the fundamental awareness I am? Only in the fundamental awareness I am. So the, the, the mind standing as itself means the mind standing as the heart, in the heart, uh, because um, th that is, we can only be in the heart by, by being the heart. We, that is, uh, these are just different, whether we describe it as abiding in ourself or by abiding as ourselves, it means the same. Uh, it means being what we actually are. So, hritstale uh, mana svastata means the, the mind standing as itself in the ground, but is the heart, in, the, in its source, which is the heart. In Tamil, as I say, he says, udita idatil odungi iratal. Subsiding or merging and being in the heart, uh, sorry, in the place from which we have risen. Um, so that is the subject. And but, but what he is saying about that is that is 
nishchitim certainly kriya bhakti yoga and boda uh, cha means and so he all these four kriya means uh, uh, karma yoga or, or nishkarmiya karma here yeah, it means bhakti means the path of bhakti yoga means the path of raja yoga but bhagavan will talk about in the next five verses um verses 11 to 15 which is the five verses we'll talk about next time and boda is the um is means jnana the path of uh, the path of jnana so so when he says that it is that the mind standing as itself in the heart ground is certainly kriya bhakti yoga and boda what he implies is this is the culmination of all these paths what is the aim of all these spiritual paths what is the aim of karma yoga what is the aim of bhakti yoga what is the aim of raja yoga what is the aim of jnana yoga for us to be know and to be what we actually are being what we actually are is the mind standing as itself the mind standing as as atmasvarupa in atmasvarupa which is the heart is the implication here um so but this verse 10 bhagavan is is summarizing the whole of upadeshundia that is the whole point of upadeshundia He's, though he starts talking about karma because those those deluded so-called rishis in the darakavana they were so enamored with um with uh with um with action and they believe by by their karmas by their ritualistic action by their vedic act, vedic karmas they could achieve all they wanted to achieve they they believed in karma so strongly so bhagavan had to begin by saying uh the, the fruit of karma is given only by god uh, that is when you do an action uh, fruit it, it the, the, the fruit of the action the result of the action is out of your hands it's in the hands of god and god alone decides what fruit is appropriate for which action so uh action can, does not action is jada it does not give fruit of its own accord it's only uh, as as gives the fruit but god decides is the appropriate fruit uh, so he begins by saying that then he says but um but the the cause of action is our bishaya basanas that is so long as that the seed he refers to me tamil but so so long as the seeds are there that is the outward going seeds with that causes us to fall in the ocean of action therefore action does not give liberation action obstructs liberation but by nishkarmiya karma dump of the love of god the, we can purify the mind and that will lead us to the point where to it leads us to the highest action which is meditation but the meditation so long as we are meditating on god as something other than ourselves that is an action when instead of meditating upon god as something other than ourselves we meditate on him as not other than ourselves as i alone our attention turns away from other things away from the idea of god as something outside back to the reality of god who is shining in our heart thereby the mind subsides and remains in the state of being being in that state of being that is the culmination of all spiritual parts it's the culmination of 
of, of, of karma yoga, bhakti yoga, raja yoga, and jnana yoga. Om Namoho Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya. So that is my, the main part of the talk today, but I have been asked some questions. Michael, we have three questions, two from Sinduji, one from Neera Kashyapji. Okay. Uh, Shall I first start with uh, Sindhu's questions? Absolutely, please. Yeah. Okay. Um, his first question was, in the last satsang, Michael mentioned about Manalaya and Manonasa. How is one to differentiate between the two? And how is one to avoid Manolaya? Um, the difference between the two, we, we will talk about this in more detail next time because Bhagavan deals with this subject in verse 13. But the, the simple difference between Manolaya and Manonasa is that we come out of Manolaya, we never come out of Manonasa. So if your mind has dissolved, and you come out of it again, then you know that dissolution was not manonasa, it was only manolaya. So any, any state of dissolution of mind from which we come out again is manolaya. So sleep is manolaya. So uh, your question is how to, uh, how to avoid manolaya. Well, obviously, we can't avoid manolaya entirely. We need to sleep every day because uh, when we rise as ego, and we're constantly going outward, that requires a lot of energy. We become tired. So we subside in sleep because of tiredness. So there's no wrong in sleeping. Uh, we, we can't sleep more than, uh, than we require. Uh, when we, if you're feeling tired, it's good to sleep. Sleep well, wake up with a fresh mind, and then turn your mind back within to investigate who am I. So we, we shouldn't try to avoid sleep. But what we should try to avoid is artificially brought about states of manolaya, such as nivikalpa samadhi. Uh, because as, by, by means of uh, raja yoga, which is the subject we'll be talking about next time, it is possible to bring about um, uh, a a state called, called Nibhikalpa Samadhi, which is just another state of Manolaya. The difference between sleep and Manolaya is sleep, we fall asleep because of tiredness. Mano, um, sorry, the difference between sleep and Nibhikalpa Samadhi is we fall asleep because of tiredness. We uh, subside in Nibhikalpa Samadhi because of pranayama and other exercises. To the yogi, there may seem to be a difference between nirikalpa samadhi and sleep. The reason there seems to be a, 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 a difference is because we fall asleep because of tiredness. So we often don't recognize that we are aware in sleep. Whereas because the yogi brings about the nirikalpa samadhi as a result of, of deliberately uh, uh, chitta vritti narodaha, suppressing the, the outward going vrittis of the mind um, by means of pranayama and other exercises, they, they are able to recognize that, there's, that the awareness continues in that sleep. But they, they, so long as they think that nirvikalpa samadhi is different to sleep, they have still failed to understand, but the awareness that they experience in nirvikalpa samadhi Exactly the same awareness is there even in sleep. Uh, 
So we don't need to experience Nirvikalpa Samadhi. We just need a little bit of Vibhaka. We need to think a little carefully about it. And it should be obvious to us. But though we are not aware of anything else in sleep, we are clearly aware I am. So there's actually no difference at all between sleep and Nirvikalpa uh, Samadhi. They are both just temporary states of dissolution of mind. In fact, there cannot be any difference between one state of dissolution and another state of dissolution, because all differences exist only in the mind. So in the state where the mind is dissolved, there cannot be any difference. The only difference is from the perspective of a waking state. Mano nasa is a state from which we never come out. From the perspective of the mind in waking or dream, we seem to have come out of Manolaya. So Manolaya seems to be a defective state because we come out of it. That's the only difference. But that difference is not a difference in the state of Manolaya or Manonasa. In that state, there's no differences at all. It's when we come out of Manolaya, we then say there's a difference. Oh, I've come out of this state, therefore it was temporary. We will never come out of Manonasa, so we'll never again think it was temporary. Um, so I, I hope that, but we, I can answer, if you'd like to ask this question again next time, we can go into this subject more deeply next time. Um, the next question uh, uh, Sindhu asked is, while practicing self-abidance, I observe but I feel that emotionally I am not moved. I am more relaxed, but my thinking process is going on continuously. Is it fine? Self-abidance means being as we actually are. When we remain as we actually are, what we actually are is just pure awareness. So pure awareness means awareness that is not aware of anything other than itself. So, so long as we're aware of ourselves as anything other than ourselves, we are not in a state of perfect self-abidance. We may be, that is to the extent to which we attend to ourselves and thereby withdraw our attention to other things, we are thereby being as we actually are. If we attend to ourselves, if we turn our entire attention back to ourselves, so we are not aware of anything other than ourselves. That is the state of being as we actually are. That is the state of pure awareness. But most of us don't have sufficient love to turn our attention within so keenly, so deeply. So we are, we, though we are attending to ourselves, we haven't totally withdrawn our attention from other things. So we are still aware maybe of thoughts and other things to some extent. So that is only that is not a state of perfect self-abidance. That's a state of partial self-attentiveness. Partial self-attentiveness means partial self-abidance. Um, so to some extent, we are being as we actually are, but we haven't completely let go of other things. So whatever we may feel, whatever we may be aware of, when we are trying to be self-attentive, we should ignore it. We should try to attend only to ourselves. So whatever we may feel, whatever may appear or disappear, to whom does it appear? We need to turn our attention more and more keenly back towards ourselves. So we need to ignore whatever we may feel, uh, whether we're emotionally moved or not moved, whether we're relaxed, whether thinking is going on or not going. Let thinking go on. We shouldn't be aware of it. We should ignore it. If we ignore it, then obviously it won't go on. So we... 
the very fact that we're aware of any of these things, we're aware that we are emotionally moved or not emotionally moved. We're aware that we're relaxed or not relaxed. We're aware that we're thinking or not thinking. These are all being aware of things other than I am. What we need to be aware of is only I am. So we need to try to turn our attention more and more towards ourselves. Um, so I, we won't immediately be able to do so, but that doesn't mean it's fine to be aware of these things. Yes, we will be aware of these things inevitably until we turn our attention back towards ourselves keenly enough. We will continue to be aware of the body, the mind, all these things. But we are trying to turn our attention back to ourselves and thereby ignore these things. We shouldn't be trying to ignore these things, because if we're trying to ignore them, we're thinking about them. How can I ignore this thought? I'm thinking about the thought. We, we need to attend to ourselves and thereby ignore them. When our, when, the more we attend to ourselves, the more our attention will be withdrawn from all other things. So the more they will recede into the background of our awareness. And is there time to just quickly answer the one other question you said? I don't yes, know what please. that question is. question was from Nira Kashyapji. Oh, yes, I see. I see. Yes, I see. You've okay. written that here also. Yes. Um, Bhagavan has often said that meditation is sticking to one thought, be it a mantra or japa. If this is meditation as a, as a mental activity, can this transition can this transition to the I am Bhava? Yes, that is real. Sticking to any one thought is meditation, yes. But so long as that thought is a thought about anything other than ourselves, it is still Anya Bhava. It's still meditating on something other than ourselves. But when we go deeper in this practice, we will come to understand Generally, when we meditate, we are trying to, that, that is the best meditation, is to meditate on God. Rather than meditating on anything other than God, what is better than meditating on God? So we, the, the best meditation, the meditation Bhagavan is talking about is meditation on God. Of course, we can meditate on other thoughts, but uh, better than meditating on other thoughts, it's best to meditate on God with love. But... Rather than taking God to be something other than ourselves, when our mind is purified, we will understand. So long as we think of God as something other than ourselves, that is merely a thought. So by meditating on the thought of God as something other than ourselves, we're meditating on a thought. So we're not meditating on God himself. What God actually is, is that which is shining in our heart as I. So when we come to understand that God is not something other than ourselves, God is not, whatever we may conceive God to be, is, is, is a limitation because we can only conceive limited things. We cannot conceive unlimited. So to know God as he actually is, we need to know, we need to, attend to him as he actually is as he actually is is as i am he's that that is bhagavan often said the natural name of god the natural name of all of us the first name of god the first name for all of us is i am so meditating on i am is the best of all meditating on i am doesn't mean just meditating on the words i am but meditating on what the words i am refer to that is to ourselves 
to our own fundamental awareness. So with the understanding that God is not something other than ourselves, but God is that which is shining in our heart as I, we need to turn our attention back towards I. That is transitioning from the Anya Baba to the Ananya Baba, from the meditation on God as something other than ourself to meditating on ourself. So our aim is, that is, for those who are mind are still outward going, who are still not willing to accept that God is that which is shining in their heart as I, Yes, it's good to meditate on a name or form of God, which is, a, which is a thought. But that meditating on that name or form of God is a means of purifying the mind. When the mind is purified, we will come to understand that God is not, is not limited to any name or form. God, the, the true Swarupa of God, the Kadaval Swarupa or Ishwara Swarupa, is Atma Swarupa. He is I, Soham. So he is that which is shining in our heart as I. So we should turn our attention back within to attend to I am alone. I, I hope this, uh, this uh, adequately answers that question. So this is how we transition from mental activity to just being. So long as we're attending to anything other than ourselves, even to the thought of God, even to a name or form of God, we, that is still a mental activity. When we turn our attention back towards ourselves to attend to I am alone, that is the, the cessation of mental activity and the subsidence in our natural state of just being. Uh, Baba, uh, 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 just being in Satbhava. Thank you, Michael. I, I hope this, is, um, this adequately answered that question. Om yes, Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya